My friends, welcome to another edition of the Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability Podcast Series. And today I, I am so thrilled to have with us our guest, Sarah Davison Tracy. Hi, Sarah. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Welcome. Welcome. And um, Sarah, whether she's traveling the globe or nestled in the backyard of her home in Colorado with her husband and two beloved children, uh, Sarah is a devoted human rights advocate, an author, a public speaker, and the founder of Seeds of Exchange, which we'll be talking about a bit more. And um, Sarah, welcome to the show. It's so wonderful uh, having you here and really appreciate you joining our conversation. Oh, I've been looking forward to it since the moment I woke up. This is awesome. Beautiful. Well, I would love to start by asking you, uh, I know you have such a deep connection and fondness uh, for this uh, Colorado area and that you are also doing a lot of work with people in the Himalayas, specifically in the Nepal area. And just wondering, could you just speak to uh, how that moves you, how that moves your heart and what you notice working in these uh, different places really on opposite uh, sides of the globe, if you will. Yeah, well, I for sure love the backdrop that we have here for our conversation with the mountains. It's a beautiful focal point for, for what we're talking about. So I love that you started with that question, Aaron, because I have always been super keenly interested in these ideas of both and, you know, the local and the global, as you mentioned, you know, Denver and halfway around the world in the Himalayas. And, um, you know, there's a sweet spot that I love to find of, of like celebrating and observing the things that are profoundly different in the ecology and the culture and the language and the food and the people and, you know, all kinds of things and finding those things to celebrate, um, which I do because Nepal is home to many people that I actually consider not just friends, but like my family. And so it really feels like a, a second home. I got a video from them this morning um, and they were just in, my friends were working in their, in their office and I could hear like the horns in the background and I could picture the rickshaws and the motorcycles. And it just was like, it brought tears to my eyes because that's, that's how I feel about that, that place and these people. But the other both and is, while being very different in all those things that I mentioned, ever since I was a kid, I've been profoundly eager, curious, and really committed to find the threads of profound similarity of things that, that are um, similar in surprising ways between people. And, and what I find is there's a sense of um, what matters to people's hearts like what are the things that they hope for themselves and for their children um and they're not so different between denver and the himalayas and so i love being a part of of that conversation and that life with them well that's so beautiful well one of the things that probably comes most to mind when i think about you and i think about the work that you're doing is that it is so heart-centered and uh, in my humble opinion, that's something in our culture in particular that we could 
use a whole lot more of and honestly probably just need i'll just say that mm -hmm. uh, and, and i'm so struck by how you work with those threads and and keeping that heart centric uh focus through uh your recently published books um live ablaze and light up the world and then uh its companion soulfully ablaze a 40-day journey to light up your life and the world and uh, i am just i'm so thrilled by the the energy and the enthusiasm that you've managed to capture and put into book form, which uh, is no small task, as we both know. And there's just so much heart gushing forth from those works and from all that you're doing. And I, I want to ask you, where does that come from? Where, where, what is the source of that wellspring of, of love and energy and encouragement that you're sharing with people? Wow, what an awesome question. Um, so what comes to mind is um, this poem from my sacred text, one of my favorite sacred texts and my personal sacred text, the Bible, where it talks about who who um, cannot wait to come up, come upon every day and find beauty, here's what you do. And it lists out all these things and it has to do with community. It has to do with what we eat. It has to do with what we fill our vision with. And for me, that has to do with media and my, my little people, my two kids that I pick up and drop off at school every day and they just fill my heart with love and with passion and with compassion. And, um, and for sure, for me, God, my, my sacred connection to the mysterious unseen is a big part of what shores me up on the hard days and what fuels me on the good and the hard days, I guess. Um, but for sure, Aaron, the, the, the big other piece is community and connection, whether that's, um, you know, my beloveds in my home my neighbors, my soul friends, um, strangers on the street. I'm finding more and more joy in just connecting with people as I go about my everyday that I mean only see one time. And that really fills me up. And I, I'm always looking for ways to share it and receive it as I go about my, my days. Well, you, you, as a friend and a colleague, you uh, really strike me as a person who excels at living that way of being day to day, which is, you know, where that can actually be challenging. And, and perhaps we might even say where that is most needed, that practice. And Sarah, you, you do that. And I know you bring enormous smiles to so many people every day locally and around the world. And I just, I wanna thank you for that. Thank you for doing that work in our communities and thank you for living that example for us. I think that that is perhaps one of the most potent uh, things we can be exploring and sharing with one another throughout our communities is how do we live this yeah. uh, way of being. And you know, in, in this, uh, exploration where you really play with a lot of these polarities and explore a lot of these dualities. I'm so struck by uh, how you 
approach being on the one hand and doing on the other? And, and can you just share with us what, uh, what that is for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say my life until now has been a journey of exploration into those, those two pieces, polarities, dualities, the both ands of contemplation and action and solitude and, and community. And um, so for me, I see that place of um, being still, of, of being, of, of finding things that when it's just me in the car, in the morning, at the end of the day, finding rhythms that really fuel and sustain like me from this like cellular inside soul place out. And, and so for me, I, I write about, I have these in live ablaze, I have 10 and soulfully I have 40 of these. I call them places of pause or pops that are, are like punctuated spaces throughout all of these incredible stories and invitations to, you know, pay attention to our lives and pay attention to each other. And, um, because I had this epiphany as I was writing the book that came to me in my everyday life, thinking I had come home from a movie and I had this moment where I thought, man, if I don't pay attention to the things that brought tears to my eyes during this movie, to the thing that made my heart beat really fast during that one part in the movie, then it's just going to be another thing I have consumed. It's just going to be, I'm just going to move on to the next thing. And I thought I need a place of pause to think and pay attention and listen and learn. And so the next morning when I got up to write my book, I thought this book needs a place of pause regularly punctuated through it that um, I believe the places of pause or, or being, as you say, is going to be different for each of us because we all get filled up and fueled differently. But I do believe that there's something about a, a, a level of quiet or of stillness that we can still the thoughts in our head, the input, you know, the speed that things come at us visually and through auditory messaging and pay attention to the treasure that our souls and that our hearts, as you speak, heart-filled people, it's just wise and good. And in the direction that so much of us are looking for is just like there in those quiet places of pause. So um, that's the one piece of being still. And then I, I just profoundly believe that when the activism and the service and the being love and, and the kind of big outer expressions of our life when it's fueled from these regular rhythms of, of filling up um, in this, these quiet rhythms in our life. I believe it's sustainable. It's more powerful because it's more connected to who we are and to people around us. And, um, and I don't think being still in a soulful way very often stays in a solitude sort of place. I think our hearts and our souls always help us to connect with our destiny and loving and serving and connecting with each other. So I just see them as like inextricably connected. So, so beautiful. And I'm so struck by your, your use of language around uh, the treasure. And yeah, 
actively cultivating these places of stillness in our day-to-day -day lives. And, you know, I, I reflecting as you were talking on the chapters I wrote, Listening Connect and Why on Earth, that yeah. especially in our culture right now with technology and all of the busyness, it's almost, there's almost this irony that emerges where making the time and space for that those pops, uh, yeah. those places of pause where we can do more listening on different levels yeah. and connect in different ways to the divine, to the incredible uh, majesty of creation all around us. Yeah. It, that actually requires a certain action on our part. There's almost a certain uh, willfulness that we have to cultivate in order to open those those spaces of receptivity up. And uh, you really, I think, speak to the, the, the sort of irony or, or perhaps you might even say joyful humor in, yeah. in the polarity that shows up there. Totally, that is so beautiful. And I love, I love that connection you made, 100% with you. Well, as you're talking, it reminds me of St. Francis, right? And uh, I happen to be rereading re um, the book St. Francis by Kazantzakis, uh, just cracked it open a couple days ago. And th this whole notion of experiencing the divine, you know, not to get into a uh, protracted dogmatic discussion about what is and isn't, where the rules and boundaries lie, this, that, and the other, but that we as humans, it seems, have such a marvelous opportunity to connect with an experience of divinity in our day-to-day -day lives. And yeah. in, in the, let's say, mundane, which in its etymological roots means of the earth, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I think that you, you really exhibit this, Sarah, uh, in your writings and in the work that you're doing, and especially the, the work that you're doing with a very diverse group of people all around the world, uh, that there is such an embrace of, the divinity within this imminent reality. Hundred, yes, like everything in me. And I, I, I've been contemplating so much for a couple of years, the very thing you're talking about of like, what's the texture and the fabric of our everyday lives? Like each of us and, and every day as we were talking earlier, like every day is one word, but in my mind, I picture every is all caps because it's like the biggest part of our lives, right? It's what, how we feel when we wake up in the morning and, and how we go about whatever work it is that we're doing during the day. And I've been just thinking so much about what are the pieces, what are the seeds that are planted in our lives that make for the mundane, the everydayness of life to have that like texture of grace and joy and peace and love, all of these things that I think our souls long for. And uh, I believe there are times that I have gone after so many things in the hopes of those things that have just created a, a, a frenetic and overwhelmed mundane or everyday life instead of this texture of fullness and like I call I kind of picture it as like a cup that's full to the brim with you know cool sparkling water you know that's fueling and saturating my day and 
uh, I've practiced yoga a lot for much of my life and I, I love it because they, they t well, the teachers that I love talk about like how you get to the pose or how you get through a practice. You're going to finish the practice probably no matter what, right? You're going to go to the studio up the street or watch the video and be done in a half hour, an hour and kind of check it off your list. But the experience of it is the mundane is what you're talking about. Like the experience of it can be fundamentally different. It can be graced and full of wonder and awe and curiosity and ease, or it can be like struggle and hard and forcing. And, and I know both of those very well, which is why I've been so committed to practicing it and talking about it and bringing that message whenever I can to people. Cause it's a really different way. Those two, two ways are very different. Absolutely. There's yeah. so much, so much in that. And, you know, I, I know that you are very open about sharing some of your own experiences around the pain of wondering and worrying and doubting and individual worth and that you have, you carry this insight with you that um, we, we each hold so much preciousness in ourselves in this world. And yeah. I know that many of the people you work with have their own stories of incredible struggle and hardship. And especially with some of these beautiful souls that you're working with in Nepal, and you guys are, I know, working on another uh, new book that's underway, and I'm so excited about it. Yeah. What, what is it that you might want to share with our audience about that, that pain of wondering and worrying? And, and when we're in that place, what we might bring into our awareness that will help us get to that place of, of grace and overflowing cups of cool, sparkling water and so forth. Right. Right. Cause there is that gap in our human experience, at least in my experience, yeah. there's yeah. Been that gap. Yeah. And so, um, so I would say a couple of things. First of all, um, you know, for me, a moment that comes to mind of the worrying and the wondering of if I had a place on the planet, if I had a life that was really, I wanted my life to matter. From the time I was born, I remembered thinking like, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And there were times that that fueled me with curiosity and, and energy. And there were times that that fueled me with angst and like the grip of like, where am I going to go to college and where am I going to live? And I don't have any idea how to make the impact that I'm dreaming of making and that I feel is planted in my heart. And, and I, I, in that gap that you just, that picture you just raised, there was a lot of pain for me of, of um, doubt and of um, anxiety and worry that um, I didn't have a place on this mighty big planet of ours. And for me, it came to uh, like a, I talk about it as a life and death place because in my early 20s, I believe that seed of doubt and worry was planted and grew without my, without my awareness such that I almost died because I had the addiction of anorexia in my early 20s. And I believe the roots of the addiction were in this thing that you're talking about, in this like 
trying to fix and control and plan and, and the worry and the, all of the things that you brought up, I wasn't vigilant about doing battle with and talking with my community about and saying, man, I am, I don't feel much worth or value. I'm a, I'm in a fog and I'm afraid and I'm um, kind of lost. And so I, I became isolated and addicted. And so for me, I'm happy to share with anyone that that connects with um, because it's of course a big long story with a happy ending because I am alive here and now. But it was it was a day to day and a nail biter for a little bit because I was so stuck in the fog and in the darkness. And so for me, because of that personal experience, I it is like for me now that I have come out of that, I know how dark that night is. Uh, some some. Folks call it the dark night of the soul. Yeah. Um, and I know how crushing that is to a spirit and to our thoughts and, and it just affects everything to our actions. And so um, for me, it's like right next to that pain that my passion and commitment and mission to do what I do in the world has grown because, and it has led me to be a part of anti-trafficking endeavors in Nepal and India and other parts of Asia. It's led me to partner with people in Africa that are doing amazing women's and community empowerment projects among those that have been pushed to the margins and that are themselves in a fog and in a dark night of the soul. And I believe that when we work together, it brings some light into that dark night. And we are the light for each other. I, I believe that with all my heart, there are times that the night is too dark in me and I need a light from someone else and um, same for, for other people. So I just, I love looking at how we can be lights uh, and warriors together. Yes, it's so beautiful. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing that with us yeah. and for sharing your light and bringing so much light to so many people. It's, it's awesome. It really is. It's beautiful. Thank you. I, I want to pause there. We'll take a, a, a little okay. place of pause and okay. uh, just remind our audience and listeners that uh, this is the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series. And we are talking with Sarah Davis and Tracy and uh, for our audience and listeners want to be sure to mention, we have very special deals for you on the website, uh, whyonearth.org market. If you use the code podcast, you can get some great discounts on audiobooks, ebooks, etc. And if you would like to learn more about the work Sarah is doing, please go to seedsofexchange.org and or sarahdavisontracy.com. We'll have spelling, etc., in the show notes. And um, we also have a couple of very specific calls to action. Um, you can buy Sarah's books, uh, Live Ablaze and Soulfully Ablaze, the companion. Um, you can join Seeds of Exchange, um, bit.ly slash seeds.com. And you can support uh, some of Sarah's rolling uh, 
projects of philanthropy for others. And right now there is a very special campaign to help uh, young lady Ashama uh, go to college. And so we are helping do some fundraising for that effort. And Sarah, could you just tell us a little about Ashama and about um, what this yeah. means for her and her community? Yeah. Yeah, so Ashama is, um, was born in India in a brothel because her mom had been, uh, was a, a, a slave there for 10 years. And uh, her mama and 23 kids were a part of an incredibly epic and dangerous rescue effort at the end of 2015. And uh, so she um, has been back in school and... Um, has a, a gift and a magic in her intelligence, it seems, because she has been catching up and making up for lost time. She's uh, in school, in a school run by an NGO partner of ours, Lighthouse Foundation. And um, she just took her test at the end of high school and uh, came out like at the top of the country at, um, in terms of her, her marks. And so now she's going to college and they reached out to us and said, hey, do you think you guys could help us with her first year of, of college for her tuition? And it's actually tuition and everything. And so we got a matching grant for $900. So we're looking to generate 900 more, which seems like a screaming deal, by the way, for a year of college, right? Yes. <laughs> but for her, that's her next epic leap. Um, that, And what I love about this, Erin, is it, it's just a picture for me of the dreams that are planted in us that sometimes we can only get so far without a little bit of support from our community. And I believe that's the best and the worst news about a connected and communal life. And I, I believe that that's a gift for us because it, it keeps us connected to each other, literally, because our lives depend on it. And hers does. And um, she's going to change the world. She already is. And um, I'm excited for us to be able to be world changers with her. Beautiful, Sarah. And so we can support uh, by going to bit.ly um, slash Ashama back to school. Yep. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Thank okay. you. That's what, an, what a beautiful story. What an incredible story. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little more about the communities in Nepal that you're working with. There's, there's so much there. I know it's an incredibly rich fabric of relationships, but I would love for you to describe for us what that looks like. Yeah. So the community that I'm um, deeply connected to and really passionate about uh, working with that I'm working on this book with that you mentioned a minute ago, um, they're called The Body. It's spelled B-A-D-I, The Body Cast of Nepal. And um, for those familiar with caste, um, it is illegal, but it is very much in operation on a, speaking of mundane, everyday level. Um, it affects who people can, uh, where people can live, who they can eat with, what paths they can walk on, where they can drink water, whether they can go to school, and on and on and on. And so this caste, the body, um, they, it is actually translated in Nepali musical people. So for many years, they were, the, they were the artists for the kings and the king's courts. They were the dancers and the singers and the poets and the makers of beautiful things. Um, but over time, it degenerated into um, them, the women, the body women being seen as these sexualized 
um, objects for pleasure and um, only that. And so for several generations now, uh, when born a body woman, your one work, it is not a choice, it is not for some and for others, your one work is to have sex with men. And some women are kept in their villages and literally men will crawl into their windows at night and it can be an uncle and it can be a stranger. It's literally fair game for anyone. Um, and some are trafficked, they're targeted to be trafficked out of um, Nepal into brothels throughout Asia, a lot in India. And the, the key about this and why I believe it has gone on for as long as it has is because they are on the margins and the outskirts of society. And so there has, it's, they have been invisible. Mm. And so thousands and thousands of these girls literally disappear mm. every year. Mm. And um, they're, they are not, uh, when, when born, these girls don't have birth certificates. So literally they don't exist. So what's been happening and happily in the last decade or so is this mighty cultural shift among this people that started with uh, two friends of mine that began um, a school in Kathmandu, a boarding school um, that they invited girls and boys because they believe in elevating the value of, you know, both boys and girls, the community itself. And, and we hear all the time about the power of education. And this has been a picture of that for me, of what happens when a, when a girl and a boy learns about the world mm. and about the constructs that have made life for certain gener many generations appear a certain way that don't have to continue that way. So they literally, it's like watching this mighty tectonic plate just shift. And these, this generation, I mean, they are going to school for the elementary, secondary. A couple of them are going to college for the first time. Ashama is one. Her big sister is the first land-owning body woman in the history of Nepal. She just bought land a couple months ago. Wow. Brings wow. tears to my eyes. I mean, that's after 10 years of hard work, you know, saving up as a teacher. So um, what's happening among these people is they're saying, you know what? We are not going to wait for someone else to elevate us. We are going to elevate ourselves. And we are going to tell our stories without shame. And it's a shame-based culture, but I believe humanity is shame-based if we're mm -hmm. not careful. And mm -hmm. so they are like, no, we are not going to live with shame. We're going to tell our story. So that's why they asked me to help them craft this story of brutal human rights um, struggles and unbelievable healing and restoration and like light blazing from a mountaintop stories. And so the reason that I love telling it and the reason I love being a part of it is because I believe in these stories, there are gems for each of us to explore and connect with our own. And, um, and that's the fun. Yes. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's such a profound connection between our our own individual healing. Yeah. And our ability to help heal in community on the planet, and I think Sarah, your your journey and your story really speaks to that. That's humbling, and thank you. 
Yeah, thank you. How else, in addition to helping Ashama with her uh, college tuition campaign, how else can we get involved and help support and stay connected to this work that you're doing? Yeah, I will just please put my email in the in the show notes because one of my favorite things is um, I see one of the pictures of my work. Do you remember Aaron ever like doing those dot to dot, you know, pictures that as a kid or maybe your son, you know, doing those pictures where at first on the paper, all you see is dots and they're numbered. And then yeah. over time, all of a sudden, like a rainbow, it's a rainbow or it's, you know, a house or whatever. And so I see our humanity, our community to be like this dot to dot picture. And I love, so what I would say to, to listeners is if you feel something going off in your heart or um, tears come to your eyes as so, when you heard Aaron or myself say something, please pay attention to that and please ping me uh, via email and, and tell me what it is because if there's anyone or any way I can help kind of, I believe we kind of like get to pour fuel on each other's fires and fan yeah. flames. So I, uh, that is one invitation of, um, because there's infinite ways that that can show up. I have great ideas and connections for folks that want to take their next vacation and have it be a really cool community um, engaged trip with friends from around the world. I, I just, I, I know so many amazing people that I'd love to connect folks with depending on their interests. So um, yeah, that would be my number one thing. Beautiful. Great. Well, and just to mention um, the email, your email is Sarah at seeds of exchange.org and it's Sarah with an H S A R A H yep. at seeds of exchange.org. And thank you for that invitation. I, um, I am excited to know that, uh, we'll be seeing more of these dots getting connected right. as a result. Um, I want to ask you a question, shifting gears just a hair okay. uh, in, in these final few minutes of our discussion. Uh, as a, a fellow craftsperson with the written and spoken word, uh, a poet or writer, what have you, I am so struck by your use of language, particularly in written form, and especially the way in which you're using um, capitalization throughout text. It's an unusual way to, to see, uh, I think, written English at this point. It really jumps out, it really stands out, and I think it really uh, uh, shows your enthusiasm and charisma, and how, how the heck did you get to that as a, as a mode of creative expression? Um, I'm laughing because I remember some moments, because these are my first two books and they were published side by side simultaneously. And I remember the first moment my editor saying, um, like, do, you, do we really need to do this? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because she's like, because I know that, I know it's intentional, but I don't know if people are going to see it as intentional. Oh my goodness, just a second. So sorry, people. <laughs> the, do the dog has spoken. The dog, speaking of uh, punctuation, she <laughs> punctuated our call. So everyone, this is my dog, Maisie. Hi, and there's Maisie. a squirrel outside the window that's teasing her. Um, so, for example, the word encouragement. Yes. 
not until I, I played with writing that out just in an email did I realize the word courage is in there. And, and when I think about a word encouragement, which is what I believe is one of our calls as community members with each other, it's like cheerleading and um, shining the spotlight on each other and spreading the word, like the, the word courage is planted right inside of it. I was like, we have to make sure that, like I just loved discovering that and I thought, um, there's certain words where words within the words really add to the power and the beauty and the invitation and the action of that word. And so, um, yeah, so I just, and for me to go back to your mundane everyday point that we were talking about earlier, for me, it's like a way that we get to play with our language in our everyday lives. And, um, bring beauty and impact and surprise and curiosity. And so I do it in my emails and in my texts and it's just kind of fun. Yes, kind of you fun. do. And it is. Yes. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, on that note, I want to encourage all of our listeners and audience to check out your books, check yeah. out your website, get involved, send Sarah an email and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this note of encouragement. One of the things I love about that word, of course, is, is courage. Courage comes from this root word meaning heart. And Sarah, thank you so much for your heart, for sharing your heart with us, with so many. And especially thank you for joining us uh, for this discussion today. I'm so glad to be here. It's been an honor. Beautiful. Okay, talk soon, my friend.